Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Three in a, three in a row. We are on a roll, unlike the mighty Aston Villa, well, in the Premier League anyway. I'm back this week with AJ and Sam. How are you, boys? Hello, mate. Very good, mate. Very good. I'd say I'd say that the Villa are on a roll. It's just um, we're rolling downhill. It's three in a, it's three in a row, for, three in a row for us as well, is it? No, no, no. no. We beat Everton though, so it doesn't count. That's true. That's so true. yeah, yeah. We're more we're more zip- three ship three ship performances in a row. We're more West Brom up and down, boing boing, aren't we? Um, at the moment, um, but yeah, um, we're going to be talking all things Villa as always. We're going to be reviewing the uh, Crystal Palace game, which I was at. Uh, on Sunday, uh, talk about the Bolton game, obviously, uh, any other news stories, interesting news stories. Then we'll delve into the West Ham game and preview that. Uh, and a bit of Villa Vault, as always. Hopefully, Sam's prepared. If not, now's the time to prepare. Have, yeah, got a good one. Yeah, good. Done good. his homework. Yeah, hopefully it's one that we've won, not one we've lost. Um, uh, yeah, you might be pleasantly surprised. I've been a bit doom and gloom with the Villa Vault recently, but I've got a good one today. Cool. Good. Well, sorry if I uh, if you hear a bit of rustling in the background. I've currently got a bit of bit of a bit of a bit of, a bit of ice. I've got an ice lolly on my finger because I think I've broken my finger playing cricket tonight. So uh, yeah, not good start. <laughs> anyway, uh, what happened, mate? What happened? Talk us through it. Oh, just you know, uh, it was after my my bad over where I got no ball twice, uh, which I yeah I I just I've hardly ever, I've never been no ball in my career hardly ever. So I was shocked to get it twice and one over. So I'm not sure if it was, but then. Two free hits, one four for ed- one edged for four, one for six, and uh, I'm pretty Bad sure, times, pretty mate. sure, cost us uh, the game. But then uh, next over, I uh, I saved one for four diving, and I think I broke my finger. But anyway, um, and now it's now it's really late as well. We're doing the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Past my bedtime, really. Yeah, and, and uh, past my bedtime as well. And uh, I missed yeah, the kids. I missed the kids' kids' bedtime as well to play cricket. So yeah, really, really. Good news all around, as it is with Villa, Good, <laughs> which brings us nice to the uh, from the stands of Villa Park. <laughs> that's the that's the most interesting segue I've ever done. Yeah, that might be our best. That might be our best ever segue. <laughs> and only two minutes of nonsense as well. Hello. <laughs> yeah, no. Do we not need to? Do we want to chat about dinner or? <laughs> like, no, let's crack on. Oh no, I've just I, I had to. Uh, I had leftovers. Uh, lovely chicken noodles my yeah. wife made yesterday. What were you boys? Oh, lovely. Uh, I had a um, Szechuan, Szechuan chicken oh, nice. number with some uh, some just plain boiled rice. Yeah, it was nice. very good. Very nice. Homemade. I had a massive lunch, mate. Yeah, so, homemade, um, yeah. Yeah, nice. Didn't even have dinner. All right. What was oh, your massive right. lunch? Well, a Kate Middleton salad. What? A what? What? Yeah. The missus made it a cake Middleton salad. It's got melon, cucumber. Did she come around uh, and make a salad? Feta cheese. No, but apparently the cake Middleton salad is like a big deal. You know, is it? everyone's everyone's having it. So you heard here first. That sounds wrong. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Is that me? Uh, no, it want, sounds wrong, doesn't it? Don't want melon do in my she, salad. But do you think she actually makes it herself, or does she just phone someone up and say, "This is what I want in my salad"? salad? Do you know what I mean? Is that how things yeah. had got bad? How, that things how how bad things have got that she's now got a cookbook out. Is it? They're moving, uh, aren't they? I think are they? they're moving. Well, those school really, fees we're really won't. into the nonsense now, aren't we? Those, really, those school fees won't pay for themselves, will they? Yeah, they're those, moving uh... to they're moving to Windsor, so they're changing schools. Yeah. Kids, oh, yeah, my, yeah. my old yeah. my old uh, my old stomping ground, Windsor. Well, for a year, not uh, yeah, lovely place, but a bit busy for me. Very yeah. touristy, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, but yeah, oh well. That's got to be a hell of a salad then to uh, keep you full. It was, not, it was nice and it filled me up and uh, yeah, I'm not even feeling hungry. So, you know, happy days. 
Good. 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 So Villa story. Well done, Kate. Well done, Kate. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for adding uh, another two minutes to the pod. Um, <laughs> I think some people are tune, only tune in for that bit. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, as generally, someone said that to me. They said uh, they like to listen to our pod on the way down to the ground. Uh, yeah. I actually got spot. We got we got uh, spotted. Not spotted, but um, spotted. Spotted. Mate, did you have to do a selfie on, with someone? No, I didn't. No. I, I tell you, I tell, an autograph. I tell you the story because it's, it's for the hero and villain of the week. So I'll explain it then. But um, okay. He was like, oh, you're, you're Omar. And uh, yeah, I listened to your podcast. And I thought he meant the Villa View, oh. where he was like, no, no, no. Yeah, I yeah, watched that too, but no, I prefer yours, Villa Talk, so I was listening to it on the way yeah. on the way down. He goes, I, I, I enjoyed the nonsense. That's what, that's what I listened to. Uh, listen to Good. For. Um, but yeah, so uh, there you go. Um, he said, he, he didn't give me his name, but he said, I'm, I'm Irish like Neil from For the Love of uh, Paul Morgan oh, yeah. Podcast. So yeah. Uh, I was like, all right. <laughs> okay, is that how we're yeah. uh, on Pakistani my, my like Or, I don't know. Is that how yeah, we Sam's are? Irish, Sam's Irish as well now, so... Yeah, yeah. my yeah. Irish brother's listening in. Yeah. I was just thinking, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Kate Middleton listens to the pod, because Wills will probably have it on. Will, it? Wills has probably got it on, yeah. So, yeah, thank yeah, brilliant that she's uh, heard the great feedback on her salad. Yeah, thanks, right. Kate. I think the nearest, <laughs> yeah. we've, nearest we've got to a politician is um, that... Oh, what's her girl's name? A conservative, she's not she's not conservative MP or anything, but she's one of these people that comes on all news stories and tries to ruffle a few feathers and says something controversial. Emily Hewitt Hewitton is that Emily Hewitson? Yeah, Hewitson. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, she, she, uh, she Danny, to the Bedford pod, Danny like, Bedford Danny uh, linked uh, said that she met her and she was nice or something. I think she probably doesn't share Bedford Danny's politics. I think, but D- Danny was reaching across the political divide by the yeah, yeah, yeah. by yeah. the sounds. We're of all it. one. We're all one. One real. race. As we yeah. all should. Good. I'll have quite right, quite right. Right, so that's literally four minutes after I introduced for the Stantville Park. <laughs> We're going to go through some new stories. Um, um, so, yeah, firstly, uh, let's go with the most recent news story first. Uh, obviously being drawn, surprisingly, to Man United away in the Carabao Cup. Well, it is a surprise for the Carabao Cup, I suppose, but or the League Cup, but mm-hmm. not so much in... In terms of cop com- cop cop competitions uh, in general, generally speaking, uh, although Carl did ask you AJ for the stats, but I think that's. I think it was Sam actually. Was it Sam? Yeah, I think Sam asked me to work out the probability, but I don't know what to do stats with that involve me actually doing maths. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it's not that I can't do the maths; it's just it requires extra work. Yeah. Um, well, as you as you pointed out, AJ, which I thought was very astute, um, it's a very complex equation. Yeah, because you can just do the whatever that stat you one in sixty-three, was, yeah, one in sixty-three times, however many years, but it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, like but that. it's more complicated than that because us and United are in pretty much every draw, whereas a lot of the other teams aren't. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as simple as just one out of sixty-three every time you you do it. Uh, it's a bit more complicated than that. So once I'd had that thought. And I'd realised the math was even more complicated. There was, there was absolutely no way. Suck it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. next next episode we'll just spend the whole hour trying to work it out. Maybe that will be a really interesting one. To yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah. Well, the boys well, are coming back school, um, so you know I can I can refer it onto the the geeky maths lads. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I've got a new data person at, at work who reports <laughs> to me, so I could just get her cracking on it. She'll probably yeah. just get her on the pod. Get her on the pod. Get her on the pod. <laughs> get her on the pod. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Data caller. Love it. She's uh, um she's from Karachi. I don't know how into the old uh, football she is, to be honest. So, oh, I'm um, sure she is. Sure she is. Um, yeah. So that was the surprising news of the week. Obviously, um, I, hopefully we get 
the I think I think I read somewhere that whoever played in, whichever Premier League team played them last year, I can't remember who it was, got the full eight thousand um, away Ooh, allocation. That's a great allocation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then I saw someone else mention if we if we take the eight thousand, then we have to everyone has to pay forty five pound a ticket if we do the eight thousand apparently. But I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. So uh, away details <laughs> of that. Less, that's going to be sounds less good. Yeah, it's going to be in November sometime. So there's a bit of a gap actually compared to what it normally like. Well, I imagine it's because of the uh, the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, other news stories: Brent Crisson's gone on loan, uh, left back to Kilmarnock. Um, always been a sort of tall lad, but definitely uh, has built his physique over the last sort of twelve months. Looks looks uh, ready for the men's game. I, I would say left back. Obviously, very talented. I think we signed him from Exeter. He's already pay, played sort of senior football at that uh, sort of League Two level. So uh, mm. definitely one for the future. Um, I saw a few comments saying our best left back has gone on loan. I think that's stretching it a little bit. I know Luca Dean's had a bit of a rough patch, <laughs> <badge>, but <laughs> and uh, obviously he scored against Bolton, which we'll talk about later on. But uh, yeah, so he's gone on loan. I think it's good for his development. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll keep a close eye on him. Other news stories, I suppose the main news story of the week, well, two main, two main news stories of the week, uh, all to do with what's going on behind the scenes. Um, the stadium expansion plans have been released. Um, I'll get your guys' thoughts on that in a second. Um, some sort of CGI images um, being shown, a bit more detail around what Villa, Villa Live will be, um, and uh, a few more details around sort of how they can actually, uh, how the, the North Stand and the sort of Trinity and Doug Ellis are going to meet and how they're going to fill in the corners. Um, some really, really cool pictures. Uh, I say mainly, mainly, yeah, mainly positive feedback from the fans on Twitter that I saw. Some interesting comments around the, uh, I don't know if you saw the images that they used. They've got uh, the sort of farmer's market going on outside. And uh, I think that's a that's a hint to what they want Villa Park to become, which is not just a destination for football, but a destination for the community as well. Um, before I make my comment oh, on that, what do you guys I'm think? I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm all for it, mate. I love a farmer's market, mate. Yeah. But, I, you know, I am terribly middle class, so I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I'm not, uh, if I'm not paying three quid per sausage, you know, there's something going badly wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, no, I mean, I'm all for bringing whatever revenue streams in and making making something of the site, uh, you know, throughout the weekend or, or whatever. And, and I think it's good. And it's shown a little bit of vision at least. And it should have happened 10 years ago, if not longer. Um, yeah. So at least I'm glad they're getting getting on with it. Yeah. Two, two things I really liked about the images, aside from the possibility of a farmer's market on uh, on match day or on other, other days. Um, I like that they have used a fair bit of red brick in the designs and that obviously uh, speaks. It looks quite modern in terms of the design, but there's clearly a reference there to the um, the more traditional bits of the, the ground and the, the whole end and how that looks and the, the old Trinity Road and how that used to look and so on. Then also, they filled in the corners, but they've kind of done it in a way where high up, there's still still gaps so you can still sort of see through and it still kind of looks like an old school football ground with yeah. four separate stands, Yeah. even though, you know, on the lower tier, they've wrapped it around to get the extra seats in. Um uh, you know these architect CGI images quite often look a fair bit different from the final finished final finished product, so it remains to be seen. Um, but uh, I, I think um, overall, it's uh, it's looking good, and um, 
you know, the biggest issue that there's always been, I think, around the stadium expansion is what they're going to do about the transport because it's such a nightmare anyway. Hmm. Uh, adding an extra seven thousand fans into that mix, uh, I hope. I hope there's considerable pressure being put on uh, my good friend Andy Street <laughs> and, and the rest of the West Midlands uh, transport. Um, are uh, you mates now? Authorities, yeah. yeah oh, I, yeah. I thought you're going to you say. Me, yeah. uh, I thought you're going to mention our local transport expert, Carl Knight, who's obviously not with us this week. Uh, well, he's yeah. No, yeah. He's, well, uh, I, I, there's a lot of work to do to make public transport to and from Villa Park fit yeah. for purpose. For no, the definitely. 100%, 100%. So to add what what's eight thousand over forty two, it's you know uh, an additional thirty percent or something, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah but I think I think thirty percent of fans in and out. I think it's early, really got to do some work. Early stages, yet, isn't it? I think uh, it's just CGI images. I think people read too much into things. You know, I think it's more an idea of what it could look like rather than this is what we want. You know, we obviously not going to be selling hanging baskets outside of a game on a Saturday afternoon. Let, let's be let's be frank. Um, I think it's more, you know, they want to obviously regenerate the local community as well. You know, Aston, anyone who's been there knows what the local community is like. Um, typical inner city Birmingham community, uh, you know, obviously in need of major investment uh, and regeneration across the board. And if Villa can help do that, then you know, that's obviously a, a massive bonus and will just help the whole match day experience, but also the local community as well, because the local community needs to be a big part of, of Villa and it hasn't been. Uh, and they've tried various things even around the Randy Lerner I think I remember they made they did various things obviously the local communities mainly uh, I think well, it was Jamaican and, and, and or Pakistani Muslim um, from, from memory and I think they did various things like have sort of like a non-alcoholic stand or section and halal food and you know different things like that and yeah you know had sort of limited success but I think more importantly it needs investment rather than sort of oh, yeah, not not saying that they're token gestures or anything but you know i think that's not long term it's not going to do much for them and there's other things like local sort of local community in terms of facilities and infrastructure as well i think they're working on that side of things as well so at the moment it's just you know this is what it might look like early stages because i think it's 2025 sam i think is when the, yeah. the plans will be completed is, is what the plan is yeah, I was going to ask you actually, Omar. Do you always do you normally drive, or do you get the train from Leamington when you uh, go to the villa? Yeah, mixed bag mainly drive because the trains are trains are a nightmare. Mainly, a train getting there isn't a problem ever. It's always just getting mm. back is is a problem mainly for me. Because I used to find that actually getting the train after the game, you could leave a minute or two before full time, and you'd get to Witton, you'd get on a train very easily, or you could walk down to Aston, get on a train very easily. But now, even if you leave ten minutes before, you get down to there. And there's a massive queue and you're just not getting on the train. Now, I thought that last year that was because of COVID and they couldn't pack the um, they couldn't pack the platform. But surely now all the restrictions have got, that should have been addressed. I don't understand why the, the, um, the, the train situation is so dire, but it really does put me off taking the train. Mm, yeah, um, love, that we're, love that we're the slate in the trains when Carl's not on. So. <laughs> yeah, um, and I could be, I, I could be wrong, but I'm good sure that was the, <laughs> to be that was yeah, the uh, to all day, excuse so. they gave. But, but it's like you say, AJ, you know, the, the idea of uh, making a really bad transport situation worse is, uh, I suppose it's the one thing that makes it difficult to get too excited about these plans. Um, although I do agree, I think it looks great, and I'm really glad that uh, just maybe um, my uh, kids will get to the top of the season ticket waiting list. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. And, and I saw a few comments around. Well, I wish the, the the owners focused on what's going on pitch, but 
you know, I think that's, <laughs> you know, I think that's completely unfair. This is, as you say, Sam, much needed 10 years in the waiting at least. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's going to take us to where we need to be in terms of a modern progressive football club. Um, you know, we, we see, we saw what Douglas did with the Trinity stand um, and how that was a bit of a botched job in terms of, you know, the redesign and what, you know, what the, sort of the heritage and traditions that, that weren't there once the the new stand was built. So hopefully, you know, what, what, what you say, AJ, as well, the red brick and the design, it's more in keeping what it should be. Um, other news stories was, oh yeah, survey went out about the new badge. Um, I don't oh, know if you guys have seen don't that. Get me, yeah. Don't yeah. get me started on that, mate. As uh, a market research professional, yeah. I was uh, yeah. Go, distinctly, quick, distinctly unimpressed. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought you might be, actually, because I was un- unimpressed. I, I just think the way... The way some of the questions were framed made it very difficult to to answer in the way that you were, well, certainly in the way that I wanted to, and I assume other people felt similarly frustrated. I, I could see what they were trying to do with it, but especially the bit at the beginning where they gave you the three different sets of images, which all that did to me was reinforce how inconsistent our brand image is currently because they kind of grouped them into three different sets and yeah, said, do yeah. you like it when we show yeah. it like this or yeah, like yeah. this or like this? Yeah, and you're yeah. like, well, why are all these different? Yeah, then yeah. they did a really weird thing where they put all three of those together and then asked you the same questions again. I'm like, I've just answered about all of these yeah, yeah. independently of one another. And then it's like, pick one logo that you like and say why. But that's really hard because there's things I like about the Villa logos because of heritage, but then obviously the best Premier League logo is the Nottingham Forest one. There's no debate about that. Well, I don't want a Villa logo like the Nottingham Forest one. Like the Forest one is really clean and all of that, but the Villa one, I'd like to have a Villa-like heritage to it. I don't, I don't want a Wolves logo or a Forest logo, but if, if I'm choosing which I think are the best logos, I think they're the best Forest ones, too like, as well, yeah. But it doesn't like the problem is lots of people will go for those ones and then they'll you know they might come away with the idea that oh what we need is something stripped back like that like a tree you know like a forest <laughs> or, a, or, or have you seen what they've done on the um uh the Everton away kit or the third kit where they've literally just got the shape of that yeah tower thing yeah, and yeah. nothing else than that like I just really don't want something like that like I. That's that, that doesn't say Aston Villa to me, but it's kind of the way the world is going with design and stuff. What do you, and, yeah. what do you make of the Juve, Juve badge? Because that's that's where a lot of I've seen a lot of people mention that badge as you know, look, look as, and Tottenham have done something similar, I think, where a lot of modern designs where they're trying to make the badge as not vague as possible, but in a way, design in a way that it can be used on anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, it, so it doesn't have to be like, like it's not lots of different colors or a certain shape or whatever it's sort of almost monochrome and it's sort of designed so that it can be on be on a red shirt be on a white shirt be on a blue shirt be on some tracksuit bottoms be on a cup whatever you know it's just more of a symbol yeah, rather than anything that's kind of what i'm saying that I, I think that works for certain crests and certain badges for certain clubs but i don't i don't i don't know that it would work that well for us necessarily Particularly because the the lion as an emblem is actually not that distinctive. You think about you know no. borough of, borough have got a similar one and yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea Rangers, even yeah. Rangers. Yeah, there's a lot like uh, so. I, I feel like the distinctive thing about the Villa badge is the lion kind of locked up in a shield or a circle or something. Uh, and you also you guys know my opinion on 
changing the color of the badge i think you should have a badge and that should be it and you shouldn't like have a monochrome version for the away kit and all of that that you know i just think like I understand from a design point of view the advantages of going down that road, and I think it works really well for some badges like a Spurs or Forest, who've obviously had a badge effectively like that for 45 years or whatever it is since they changed it. Um, I'm just not sure it's what I want for for Villa, and maybe that's just my you know nostalgia of the historic badges and stuff. And I'm not a designer, um, but yeah, that's where I stand on it. Hmm. Anyway, let's let's move on. Um... We've done enough enough of uh, enough of the market research corner uh, <laughs> this week. Um, it's time for hero and villain of the week. So um, I I'm going to do it this week because obviously Carl's away. Um, hero of the week, I'm going to go for Dougie Louise for. Ooh. That's well, good, mate, because we haven't discussed this, and I've got some Louise stats here. Yes, for you, good, so good, good, good. You carry on, but yeah, then yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad. It's almost like we've it, it, like we had that great segue earlier. I know. Yeah. It's I know. Like we know what we're, we're doing. You know what? This is the third week in a row. We're in a pattern here. We're in flow. We're on, we're on song. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, match yeah. fitness is up. M- match fitness is up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So a couple of things. Well, obviously, mainly for the, for the corner direct corner kick uh, goal, uh, which he tried again ten minutes later, and he scored from. And uh, we had obviously had a debate on WhatsApp about that. And uh, oh, it's a shame Carl's not here because oh, no. he was adamant that he didn't mean it. And then, like, so much evidence came out afterwards that <laughs> yeah. he definitely he did, did mean it. It, it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, and I was like, Carl, I know, I know, he scored preseason, and they were talking about how they're practicing to score from directly from corners. Still didn't believe yeah. me, and then it came out. Um, so there's that, and also I think you know his performance. I know, I know we were losing three one at the time, but I thought his performance at Crystal Palace when he came on. Um, mm. In the second half, you know, it was night and day from what we saw. <laughs> you know, really, really poor sort of, yeah, apart from the first five minutes, obviously, poor first sort of 60, yeah. 70 minutes uh, as well. And I, I think he really is pushing pushing for a for a start now. Uh, yeah, so on that Palace performance, he played 18 minutes, 100% pass completion, three shot creating actions, two key passes. Uh, McGinn, who we obviously replaced, played 72 uh, minutes. Uh, his pass completion rate was 73%. Guess how many passes John McGinn completed in the entire game oh. in 73 minutes? How, how, sorry, how many were Louise's again? I haven't said that. Oh, I'll right. tell you that. All right. how, All many right. did, how many did McGinn complete? Uh, four, in, uh, in, 45. In 45 oh, mate, oh. that's really high. Really? I'm going to say 20. 19. What? 19 passes? Nin- <sighs> he completed 19 passes in 72 minutes. Douglas Louise completed 25 in 18 minutes and obviously 100% completion, so 25 out of 25. Um, Also worth noting, the Bolton performance from McGinn was atrocious, not much better. And in fact, his pass completion rate was a bit lower, 72% pass completion against Bolton Wanderers of League One. Uh, Whereas Douglas Louise completed 94% of his passes in that that game. Um, So if we want to play a possession game... um, and we might talk about this a little bit later, but we, we actually, you know, we haven't had great performances, but we have been dominating possession in all of our games so far uh, this season. Um, Douglas Louise has to play for me. Uh, he, he has to play uh, because he's our only... Him and Kamara between them will ensure that we keep the ball 
much better. Uh, and for me, he's got to play in place of John McGinn because McGinn's form yeah. has been appalling. Um, yeah. But he's, he's captain now, isn't he? So he's he's not going to get dropped. Mm. Well, I was a McGinn apologist, as you know, and uh, against Everton, I thought he uh, had a good game. I thought, yeah, and, I agree. And part of my apology for uh, for McGinn is that, yes, his pass completion stats are not the best in the division, but he does try to play a ball that hurts the opposition. Against Bolton, it was just pure mediocrity. He wasn't trying to play killer passes. He was just, you know, completely sloppy in everything that he did, more or less. So that's a worry, and you know, um, I, I absolutely agree. I think it's time for uh, the armband to be given to somebody else and him to have a little spell on the sidelines because I think, um, you know, the, the double pivot with uh, with uh, those two, as you mentioned, would surely give us a platform to uh, to be able to attack without leaving the Sane and Brigats. But also, if we look after the ball more, then obviously we won't be uh, subject to so many um, counter-attacks. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it, I think he had a shocker. And um, that one sort of decent game against Everton, I think, is not enough. The, the evidence is not, it starts to become a bit overwhelming for John, unfortunately. Mm. Well, and the other thing is, it's not like he's making a lot of risky passes and he's progressing the ball and he's creating more. But it just means he's giving it away more because Louise actually had a more more progressive passing yards than him in his eighteen minutes uh, than McGinn had in a full seventy three, and uh, McGinn didn't create any uh, chances, whereas uh, Louise created created two directly and was involved in a third. So um, I, I've agreed with that analysis in the past that you know it's it's a it's the price you pay with McGinn that he's going to maybe take a few more risks and give the, give the ball away. But I, I don't even think that's happening. And I also think he he's made some really, even in the Bolton game, you know, there was a couple of times where he had time and space and he could have either, either pushed on himself uh, with carrying the ball or he could have played um, a fullback in on an overlap or whatever. And he's tried to play a Hollywood pass in into the box. And in fact, the, the goal that we conceded against Bolton led from exactly that. You know, he tried to play uh, a ridiculously ambitious through ball into the box, um, gave it away from that pass, and then they broke quickly and in, in the transition. And you know, uh, obviously there were other errors uh, in that build up where we should have uh, we should have prevented the goal, but it, it all stemmed from McGinn needlessly giving the ball away by by trying to do something more difficult than he needed to to do in that in that moment and I think it's a, a real problem yeah and he, and he was and he was in the Crystal Palace game lucky to get away with not getting booked again I thought um, yeah he deserved a second yellow and uh, I, I thought he got taken off because he was having a poor game but Gerard then post-match was more you know we're going to need John McGinn in other games you know we want to save him make sure he's not banned he's so, such an important player for us and you know I get it John McGinn is and has been one of our you know, important, most important players in this sort of since we've been well, the season, the promotion season, and since we've been up. Um, but it's obviously his confidence is low. Uh, I don't think he's ever been as consistent as he has been before the injury in that first season, before he hit his ankle. Um, but still, you know, he's had he's had good games, uh, and, and he's one of these players that when he's on song and he's on form, you know, he can he can dominate a midfield. You know, he's he's such a a good box to box, energetic physical player that in the Premier League when he's on when he's on song when he's on form he can be such an important player for you in the team he can set the tone but 
in terms of the way that we want to play, the way Gerard wants to play, just I just don't see where he fits, and I especially don't see where both he and Ramsey fit uh, in terms of you know their both their styles of play. And we saw straight away, you know, when Dougie Luiz came on, and yes, you know, Palace lets have the ball a little bit more, but still, you saw straight away Kamara and Luiz link up, and you saw Kamara finally have an option. And I was sitting there. In that away end, you know, obviously great first five minutes, uh, started really well. And and even through that first half, we still had good moments going forward, I thought. Um, but in midfield, how empty that midfield was. You know, we, we've we've seen the, everyone's seen the average positions at midfield. And it was obvious to see you didn't need any sort of stats to back it up. You could see how empty our midfield was. And Kamara was, the amount of times I saw him, you know, sort of head in his hands thinking, you know, what the hell do I do here? You know, because every time we tried to build the play up, it would go Martinez to one of the centre-backs, to the other centre-back, back to the other centre-back, back to one of the full-backs, back to the centre-back, back to the other full-back, back to the centre-back, and then bang, long ball. And that was pretty much every time. And the one time we played through midfield, Ramsey managed to turn into space, play out to Leon Bailey in the second half, and Leon Bailey hits the hits the bar. That was literally yeah. the one time before Dougie Louise came on. And it was really, really, really concerning, actually. That, that game. And I know we've we've just won 4-1 against Bolton. Hopefully that builds some confidence. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Premier League game, Crystal Palace, good side, playing away from home. We talked about how last season we were tight, compact. You know, Gerard's first away game of, of, of his tenure as manager and how impressed we were with that game and how we, you know, we, we restricted space for Palace and how important it was for us not to let them hurt us on the transition. What happens seven minutes into the into the game, and what happens throughout the game? They get we absolutely bullied on the transition, and really we, we really, nearly had a pen, if you remember. Uh, yeah, Omar. yeah. So but when Dia yeah. goes, to, and yeah. that just really encapsulates everything that's wrong with the way we're playing. When Dia goes down, it was never a pen for for my money. I mean, maybe you disagree. Uh, the ball breaks to whoever was playing right back. It might have been Joel Ward. I'm not sure. Yeah, was, somebody yeah. just knocks the cross field ball into where Cash what would have should have been well not should have been into where Cash would be if he was playing as a right back. But he was right at the other end of the pitch because he crossed the ball in for Buendia. Um, and Zaha's one on one, and then you know the rest. And and you know Vieira just thought, look, they're going to pour for they're going to pour forward. The fullbacks are going to be high. Zaha is going to peel off on one side, Eze is going to go in the other, and we're going to exploit that space. And it's just the ob- most obvious tactic. And and, well, he said it on Match it. of the Day, didn't he? He yeah, said, yeah, he, said yeah. it. he summed it up in about two sentences. He said, you know, we knew, we knew how they were going to play and we switched the ball early. And, you know, on the average positions, again, yes, there's a gap through the middle because the two eights are too, are too wide, but you can also see how high cash is. And when you're against Zaha, he's going to stay high and he's going to stay in behind and he's going to exploit that space. Like You've just got to adjust to the opposition that you're playing against. You can't just continue to say, well, all our width comes from our fullbacks. No, in a game like that, you're going to have to set, ask your fullbacks to stay, to stay at home a little bit more. Um, yeah. uh, and also, um, because of those gaps in the middle... We've praised Buendia because of his need, uh, because of the way he his movement and because he will come and pick up the ball from deep and, and all of that and play between the lines. Actually, if you look at the average positions there, you know, Buendia is virtually on top of Ramsey in, in, in that game. because because so, so there's a gap in the middle when we haven't got the ball for people to play through. There's a gap behind the fullbacks, but then also when we're trying to play out, there's no one in between the sort of midfield and the front two. So the, the front two are pretty isolated as well. So it just means 
everything breaks down in both in both directions and it, it's just so, uh, and what's frustrating is if you look at the average positions map against the Bolton game uh, for the Bolton game against weaker opposition it's almost bang on um, Ashley Young is a bit deeper than uh, than Cash was the three midfielders you've got um, uh, you've got Kamara and then right in front of him sitting tight and close to him you've got McGinn and Louise uh, and then the front three, you've basically got two high and one sitting in, one sitting in behind. Uh, so that's obvious. That, that must be how he wants us to set up. But Premier League teams are smarter uh, and are exploiting the spaces and are moving our players around. And we're not good enough uh, at responding to um, another manager's attempts to throw our system off. Uh, and the way the way the way of doing it is too straightforward. This, for, is, this is this is my problem, Major. It's the the in game management, the lack of ability to change things in game. It was so obvious to see, and you know we've talked. It's not so obvious to see in game as obvious to see before the game because we've all talked about it. We know we know what Crystal Palace strengths are. We know what they're going to look to exploit. And even in the game, you can see what was happening, and there was no adjustment. Even our goal, if you look at our goal, you know the ball goes to Mings and he plays that ball forward, which was a decent ball. You know, it wasn't a sort of a long ball. It was more of a measured ball. But even then, you know, if Bailey misses the head or they get the ball, you've got McGinn from, from you know, considering that uh, Tyron Mings has got it in the centre-back position, McGinn's already bursting forward on the right-hand yeah. side where you'd expect, you know, the winger to be or Cash to be um, if we were sort of, you know, in the final third attacking attacking the play and that's I'm trying to build a, a phase of play down that side. And you're just like, where is he going? And you've got Eze and Zaha, the other side of him, like, you know, one Crystal Palace play gets a touch, it's suddenly two on two or three on two. And it's just, yeah. you know, I didn't see, obviously, because we scored a goal. And all I'm thinking about is our great, you know, great move, great header and Watkins has scored. But if you look at the freeze frame of that, you think, God, you know, we are playing a risky game here. And then yeah. it was obviously that, that sort of played out for the rest of the game as well. Well, and interestingly as well, I was looking at... Um... On the analyst, uh, the Opta data site, uh, they have a uh, thing they call zones of control, which shows you which areas of the pitch your team dominates uh, the ball versus where it's where it's weaker. Because we've had such a lot of possession in our games because of who we've played and, you know, the nature of the way those games have played out where, you know, low block against both Everton and, uh, and Bournemouth. On the whole, actually... Uh, we have dominated possession across most of the pitch, if you look at that. I, I dare say it won't last for the whole season, but on the basis of the games we've played, <clears> we have. But the area where we haven't uh, been um, as in control of uh, the ball is around our right-back channel. Uh, and so there's been a lot of criticism of Dean because his individual performances have been poor. And so I'm not saying that that's not the case, but actually in terms of the area of the team that feels like more of a weakness where um, other teams are able to get more joy and more possession, it's that right-back channel behind Cash and with with McGinn in effectively trying to cover that on the wrong side um, that's, that's creating the bigger issue for us, uh, I think, if you, look, if you look at that map. Sonny killed us last year, didn't he? In exactly that way. Sonny and Kulishevsky last year in the, yeah. in the Tottenham game mm. absolutely ruined us uh, in that yeah. channel. Um, the most disappointing thing for me, though, is, and, you know, um, we discussed this on the WhatsApp, it, that you, can't, you couldn't watch that game and see anything other than Villa being outthought tactically, outclassed in terms of ability. And then for the manager to come on and say, well, actually, a couple of moments went, went against us. There's a decision that went against us. And actually, we were in the game. And, 
you're thinking, this is absolutely cloud cookie land stuff. We were absolutely, they bossed it. They, there was no other team that deserved to win that match other than Palace. They, they, and they should have won by more. And yeah, Wendy has a chance that, you know, on another day puts that away. Um, but in terms of the chances created, in terms of which team looked like they knew what they were doing, uh, building pressure, there, there was only one team in the game. And so I thought um, Gerard's response was pretty poor. But I suppose what was he supposed to do? He could try his usual call out someone individually or say they're not buying in. Uh, but yeah. that's getting a bit tired now, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. No, I suppose no it's difficult anymore. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, agree. Um, I agree. And yeah we, yeah, we did have moments. Like I said, we, I think going forward, there were moments where we had, you know, good opportunities and maybe we could have done slightly better and things went against us and the penalty decision, you know, I, I think how uh, <laughs> it sort of shows you the mood of the fan base where in another game, in another moment, you know, um, that, that penalty decision would be debated all week and, you know, fans would be moaning and, be pissed off and moaning at the referee about another decision at Crystal Palace going against us. But <laughs> most fans are like, well, yeah, we were going to lose anyway. That, and that, that yeah. basically sums up the feeling. Because I, I mean, I don't think it was a pen. No way do I think it was a pen. But at the same time, you know, we were lucky that was the second goal that they scored because we could have easily yeah. been three or four down by by that point. And, you know, AJ, your point earlier there about the right back position, I think, I think it, I'm, I'm not surprised by that because it shows you the sort of the unbalanced side that we have. You know, we've got yeah. Leon Bailey playing in the right wing position. Cash, who's supposed to be playing high, and Leon Bay is a proper winger. And then on the left hand side, we've got Buendia, who's not a winger, who's playing more centrally. So then Ramsey has to go to the left, and you've got Luca Dean, who's pushing up to the left. And then, you know, you've got the three players playing on top of each other. Then you've got McGinn having to come inside on his left foot and get completely boxed out of the game. And then Cash and Bailey on top of each other. And then Kamara in between, you know, in the middle, where he's like, Where is everyone gone? You know, where, yeah. they, they left yeah. me. You know, have I farted or something? You know, what's happened? Do I stink? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, I, I, I'm just flabbergasted that, you know, we, these issues we talked about last year, these are the same issues we talked about last year. There's, there's no difference, really. It's just different personnel and, and they still haven't been addressed. And it's really, really concerning. And, uh, you know, even if we play Watkins and Ings up front against Bolton, you know, like we did, even then, you know, I, I prefer that because I think we play better football with those two playing together. Even then, there's a bit of imbalance in the team. I think, you know, because neither are yeah. traditional wingers and we have to play that diamond formation, which is probably more suited, would you say, AJ, to what Gerard's trying to play? But is it, is that diamond formation ever going to be successful in the Premier League? I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. But who's the last team that was successful playing that way? Chelsea, when they had Zola, maybe. They had a diamond, didn't they, with Zola at the top, I yeah. think. Um yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, and especially if the ten is, we're going to be carrying Coutinho in that in that position. He, to be fair, I thought was good in the second half against uh, Bolton, although terrible in the first half as most of the team were. Um, but yeah, maybe he's found his level at League One. Who knows? Um, <laughs> he could do a job. Yeah, he could do a job could at do, League One. Could do a job in League One. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think. The problem is, two, it feels like two up front is the best way to get something out of Ings. Um, and, um, if we're play, and, and if we're going to play Coutinho, the best way to get something out of Coutinho is to play him in a, in a 10. But then how much does that require us to compromise uh, elsewhere in the team? Um, and it certainly means that... Um, You've got to have the width from the fullbacks, which you know gives us all of the problems that we've we've just talked about. And 
and I've said this before, you know, I, I had a bit of a, was having a bit of a um, unusually reasonable chat with a couple of people on Twitter um, last week after the after the Palace game uh, about whether we can play four three three or not, and and they were sort of saying, well, we haven't got the we haven't got the personnel to play four three three. But then I was I was watching match of the day later that later that evening, and so many teams, so many other teams play four three three, who I would argue have got worse squads than us and and the benchmark in that conversation was well you know city play 433 liverpool play 433 but they they dominate the ball but yes obviously they've got much much better players than us <laughs> there's, there's no debate about that but they don't play 433 in the way gerard is trying to ask our uh, players to mm. to play it you know man city will have uh, their eights Narrow. Their eights, aren't, their eights aren't pulling out wide to cover their fullbacks. Their fullbacks are sometimes playing in midfield, actually. But but that that's part of what's going on with the fullbacks. So if you look at Liverpool's fullbacks as well, they very, you very rarely see them overlap these days. You see them underlap, and actually what they're doing is creating more bodies in the middle of the park. And the width in both of those teams comes from the forward the forward players. So you've got Salah in the channel on one side, you've got Diaz on the other. We've got Grealish hugging the touchline and cutting in for City. That's where that their width comes from. Mm. Mares on the other side or Bernardo Silva. Those wide forwards are properly playing on the touchline like old school wingers and then and then cutting in. And everyone else is in the middle of the park. And you don't see Liverpool uh over committing their, their midfield players like Fabinho and quite often Henderson as well or Cater will be sitting there and they'll be staying narrow. And if there's a break, then they'll deal with it. Uh, um, Rodri do, will do something similar. And one of their other eights, you know, whether it's De Bruyne or Gundogan or whoever, will will sit deeper and one of them will break. You don't see them pulling out wide, covering their, hmm. covering their fullbacks. So I don't think it's that we don't have the players to play 4-3-3. It's the overall structure that is completely different and is leaving us massively exposed all over the, all over the pitch. And, and if you look, um, if you look at the, uh, you know, who are who is who is our competition? You know, the likes of Brighton, West Ham, yeah. Newcastle, Leeds. You know, or yeah, some of them play four <coughs> four three three, some of them play sort of three four three. But everyone or who two three one four, yeah. Sw- or switch between yeah them yeah because but, but, they've got managers who can do that. But yeah, I mean, I think mainly the four three three that they play is four two three one, right? They don't, yeah. mo- most players play with two midfielders who sort of build the play up. And as you say, one fullback goes, one fullback stays back. But a lot of the good footballing teams like Brighton, uh, for example, play play 3-4-3 three, three, or, or a deviation of of that kind of formation where they they do have fullbacks that are high, but then they've got three centre-backs. Mm. Yeah. You know, covering. So there's always three back plus a midfielder providing mm-hmm. that cover. Whereas, as we saw against Crystal Palace, we had two players back. <laughs> But yeah. maybe maybe three if you count Kamara, who was sort of ahead of the ball a little bit. Even then, the amount of times I saw Kamara bomb forward because he had to, because we all our players were on either, or you know, four of them on the left-hand side, four of them on the right-hand side. There was no one in the middle. Kamara had to get forward. And then that leaves all the space in behind. 100%. And the other thing I'd say about City and Liverpool that, that's really, um, that helps them tick in a way that we can't, is that... When the ball gets played into the wide areas, they never force the cross. If the cross isn't on, they never just lump it into the box. They just go back round. They go back round, and that's where Henderson or Cato or Fabinho or whoever sitting is that fulcrum. Give it back into the midfield. I'll switch it. I'll switch it. And that when the yeah. cross goes in, when the cross goes in, it's because they've got an overload at the back post or whatever. Yeah. 
when we put the cross in, it's because we've run out of ideas, frankly. Yeah. And Cassie yeah. lumps it. Yeah, and, and again, some of the data supports that. So actually, our problem this season in the league has not been our ability to compete, keep the ball. We've averaged 58 possession this season. Only Chelsea, Liverpool and City have got a higher average possession than us. Now, obviously, we've played two very poor teams and one mid-table team in Palace. Um, so, you know, it's not like we've had a tough run of fixtures. But we've actually kept we've actually kept the ball. But we just progress it really slowly. The only team that has a lower direct speed than us, so that's the speed you move it forward from back to front uh, in, in yards per second, is Man City. But Man City average six passes per passing sequence where we only average three and a half so exactly what you say they're keeping hold of the ball they're recycling it yeah we've still got it but we'll we'll have three or four passes and then we'll we'll give it away and they have had um over 20 10 plus pass sequences that lead to a shot and we've had seven so if you look at the the pure data in terms of um overall possession in terms of speed of progression in terms of um, whether we're a possession team or a, a direct team, so far this season, in some ways, we've looked similar, more similar to Man City than we would have done in the past, where in previous seasons under Gerrard, even under Gerrard, we've, we've been far more direct. We are less direct, but just really ineffective uh, moving the ball forward quickly and and using that passing play to lead to a shot. Uh, so we can keep the ball. We just can't do anything useful with it yeah. when we've when yeah. we've got it. And I, I think again, the structure, just even really basic stuff like we're trying to play out consistently from from goal kicks. You've got to set up in a certain way to make that happen. And every time, even a even a fairly mediocre press, and it ends up just going back to Martinez, and he just kicks it long. We'd be better yeah. off just kicking it long in the first place if we can't set up properly yeah. to do it. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think Louise would make a massive difference to our ability to to play out from those situations. But part of it is structural, and I would love to see us spend the same amount of time and effort getting that right than we do getting Doug Luis to Luis to score direct from a corner because let's face it, every team in the country has seen that now and is going to defend against it much better. So, yeah. you know, I'd much rather we get the things that you have to do 15 times, 20 times a game right than the things that are going to come off one, once every 10 games at best. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, plain, it's plain to see, you know, yeah. Yeah, we might be keeping the ball better, but we're not actually, as you say, doing anything with it. It's not like we're playing... We're, we're like, for... 14th for XG generated yeah. this season. Yeah, exactly. And when you look that, at the teams we've played, all. that tells it all. 14th for XG generated um, and th- and third for XG conceded. Right. And well, we've played, uh, th- out of our three fixtures, we've played two of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, I get, you know, some people say it's three games in, but these are issues that we had last season. You'd hope the Bolton game will obviously provide a bit of confidence, certainly for certain players like Leon Bailey, who obviously came on and scored a good goal. Uh, very Bertrand Troy-esque, as, as AJ mentioned on our WhatsApp chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buendia, obviously another another good performance by him, coming on again, as he always does. Um, other good notable performances, I thought Ashley Young did quite, quite well at right back uh, as well, yeah. um, which, you know, and I think we, t- we were talking about that sort of right back cover now. That, um, well, think of, think we were talking about it. We talked about it for a good 20 minutes uh, <laughs> last in terms of Kessel Hayden going out alone. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I thought you know, yes, Lee won opposition, but you know, I thought he did fairly well. Uh, Danny Ings and Watkins worked hard as they always do. A bit of quality lacking in certain certain aspects, but uh, you know, obviously Watkins was a bit peeved off that he went off, but I don't think there's anything on towards there. But overall, no. good performance. Uh, tr- 
sort of obviously difficult first half, but but came back well in the second half. And you hope maybe that's you know that's the way we want to try and play uh, in terms of in terms of the type of football that we want to play and obviously scoring a fair amount of goals and creating good chances. But it is League One opposition, and they were tired. So how much you read into yeah. that is it's difficult to say. First half was dreadful, um, and a lot of the same issues that we've just been talking about were really apparent. Um, and against League One opposition, that is worrying. And I, I said on Twitter at the time, um, you know, that was a dreadful performance first half. And I said, we'll go on to win the game because they'll get tired. They're League One and the quality of our individual players is just so quiet. It, it wasn't even their first choice team. Yeah, you know? yeah And you can that. see <laughs> yeah. the performance of their goalkeeper who, who was not their first choice. I mean, Dean's goal, what is he yeah, doing there? Yeah. The penalty, uh, I mean, Ings has fucked that up, hasn't he? His touch was terrible. Great build-up yeah. to that chance, by the way. Lovely pass from uh, Watkins, I think. Was it Buendia who played it? Coutinho. Watkins around the corner. Oh, Coutinho, Coutinho, yeah. Yeah, Coutinho. yeah around the corner yeah. into, into Watkins and then Watkins' little three pass. Was, oh, that was beautiful stuff against whoever you're playing. Uh, but Ings, Ings had fucked the chance up, basically. Completely. And the keeper just like smashed him for no reason when the ball was already going out of play. Um and and the Dean, Dean Luca Dean finish. I mean, the keeper was all over the show for that. So our players are just individually so much better. But you, you'd hope it gives them a bit of, of confidence. Um, but I do I do worry about the West Ham. You know, you know, if you look at the way Crystal Palace exploited us with uh, Zaha in behind the the fullbacks, with Eze exploiting the space in the middle of the park. You know, you look at that and then you look at Fornals, Benrahma and Bowen. Um, and you look at, in the past, how brilliant uh, Moyes has been at identifying where our strengths and weaknesses are and nullifying the strengths and exploiting the weaknesses. That's what he's brilliant at as a coach. It, uh, that re- it really worries me. You know, yeah. you, you look at the way he cancelled out Grealish by playing two, ball, yeah. two full-backs yeah. and, yeah, yeah. you know, just such an obvious thing to do, but yeah. other other teams were doing it, and uh, they you know well, went on to win that again. Nice, game. nice segue, AJ. Hang on, though, mate. Hang um, on. Before we do, you haven't given us a villain yet. I'm doing. I'm doing the villain of the week. Don't worry, I'm doing the villain of the week. So uh, is it coming? Eh? Sorry. Is it, say? Uh, yeah. Okay. Go on. Oh. No, villain of the week was was actually going to be Palace related as well, but I'll just quickly say it, and then we'll go into the the West Ham one. Uh, uh, villain of the week was the guy who made me wait outside the ground for half an hour before the game (laughs) (laughs) to do a stupid interview and he couldn't get his bloody mic to work honestly two of the biggest idiots you've never met in your life so did the interview not happen at all? never happened never happened and I'll I'll explain what happened so this is this guy the guy who recognised me the Villa fan literally the first time and the last time it ever happened it was like I'll get this guy to do it because he he'd asked this Irish guy to do it, and he's like, "Get this guy to do it." He does, you know, he does podcasts. And I was like, "What? Do what?" He goes, "Come here, you get a chance to win a prize. It's going to be on Sky." And I was like, "What? Well, okay, fine." So me and my mate Nick, who were there, I was like, "Nick, do you want to do it with me?" He was like, "No, no, I'll sit on the sidelines." So I was there waiting, and literally for twenty six minutes, we sat there whilst you know we were. He had all these helpers with him as well, with all orange t shirts. I think the the the, uh, the YouTube channel is called For the Badge, and uh, it's going to come on Sky Sports as well. And they're all ushering people away, like keep the space free and all this kind of stuff. And he's like trying to keep the crowd like, because there's there a little bit of a crowd there. He's trying to keep them hyped as well and making these really cringy jokes. And, you know, the kind of guy who you can tell doesn't like football, but just wants to be a presenter. And yeah. uh, he had his cameraman behind him and literally they're swapping batteries, changing microphones. 
you know, and he, 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 he ran through his introduction about 10 times and got it wrong every single time. <laughs> and every time I thought, oh, we're on now, he's doing it properly. And every time it was like, no, nah, just testing. And, the, and then he was like, are we on? He's like, yeah, fine. And then it wouldn't work. And then to make matters worse, as I said, it never happened in the end. So I was just like, it was like 10 minutes before the game. I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to go now. Like, seriously, I want to go. The like, queue was massive Great. going in. And he goes, ah, oh, you missed out on the prize. And I was like, oh, damn it, whatever it was. He goes, oh, I was this scarf. And I looked at it. And it was a bloody half and half scarf. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I was like, I've wasted 25 minutes. A villa and palace half and half, half, and half scarf. Half yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. But mate, that, um, I don't know who it was that took the picture. Was it your mate, Nick? Nick yeah. Because, well, Nick is my hero of the week, though, because that picture of you, <laughs> just everything about your facial expression, your body language. <laughs> like you look, you're standing there looking quite calm and everything, but you can tell oh, like, how seething you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a typical British man seething, isn't it? it is, I mean, yeah, yeah. 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 It's absolutely beautiful yeah. picture, mate. Anyone it's who doesn't think, doesn't think uh, integration exists, that is your picture, mate. Yeah. You know, I'm fully, <laughs> yeah. fully British, I am. Yeah. yeah, born and bred. Don't want to make a don't want to make a scene, but uh, are we cracking on here, mate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, hey, how long? Hey, looking at my watch, even though I haven't got a watch on, you know that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that, that's my villain of the week. So let's move on. Then it's time for vital statistics, ladies. Yeah! AJ, West Ham, talk to me. Head to. Head to head, lads. Do you think we've got a winning record against no West Ham? No way. But just no. because I, all I can remember is Marlon Hill was scoring a hat trick against us. So I'm just using that as. Yeah, no, we haven't. Uh, 38 wins, 34 draws, 44 losses. I was actually quite surprised because you know, I, I guess it's because I still think it's the 90s and we're one of the top sides in the Premier League. I always forget that. And we they had a few relegations and they were crap then. For a long time. But actually, in the Premier League era, um, 13 wins each and 20 draws. So okay. draw draw is a good shout in this uh, in this fixture, uh, but our recent record is pretty dreadful. So we've lost the last four mm. games in a row, uh, and we've not won since 2015. So eight eight games without a win in this fixture. Obviously, last season two losses. We lost a home game four one. Um, and that was the, the fourth of the five losses that led to to Dino getting the getting the sack. Uh, and was it was a really dreadful performance, wasn't it? I yeah. don't know if you if you remember. Martinez was Martinez was poor. He let a couple in that probably shouldn't let in. Yeah, um, we yeah. we were terrible. Dreadful performance, uh, and then we lost two one in the away game as well. Although uh, I, th- I think that was not an awful performance, um, but not not great. Um, having said that, West Ham have scored no goals this season. They've got zero points uh, and they've got the third lowest open play XG uh, that they've generated. However, they are fourth best at XG generated from a set piece and we have the fifth most uh, we've conceded the fifth most XG from set plays. So uh, feels like they're nailed on to score from a corner or a free kick, really, at some point, uh, some point during the game. Uh, that's obviously a weakness um, for us. It'd be interesting to see how they line up. Um, against City and Brighton, they played a 4-2-3-1, mm. but against Forest, they went with more of a 4-3-3. Um, I suspect, especially given the way 
the Palace game went, and that was in a 4-2-3-1 for Palace. I suspect they'll set up in a 4-2-3-1. I think that gives you the best opportunity to exploit the weaknesses of our team. Um, I can't imagine us getting much of a kick if they play Suchek and Rice in that in that two. Uh, I think they will dominate the midfield. And then, as we as I mentioned, you know the likes of Fornals, Benrahma, Bowen, in Lanzini, behind. Lanzini potentially. Yeah, um, I, I think they will look to do to us exactly what what Palace looked to do to us, um, and you know set up a pretty formidable defensive. Barrio with a with you know four with two sitting in front of them and then just hit us on the break with a front with a front four in transition um, and uh, I can't see that being anything other than successful for them really given uh, unless we do something radically different about the way way we set the team up. Hmm. Sam, go on. What are your thoughts on the game? Well, I, I, they were pretty unlucky against Forest. They had a lot of chances. Um, they they missed a penalty. Um, they had plenty of good ball and uh, they looked pretty impressive. They were up against a Forest team that were obviously galvanised. They're delighted to be in the Premier League. The crowd was fantastic. Um, but really, West Ham outclassed them. And then their other games, obviously, they've played City uh, and, a, and, a, and a decent Brighton outfit. So I just think that it's a great time for them to come to Villa Park. They'll, they'll fancy it. Um, and as you say, um, last year's fixture and the way they just rolled us over doesn't really give you a lot of confidence because, as a lot of people have pointed out, um, our side is not so dissimilar to the side that they uh, they faced last year. The tactics are arguably worse. Um, and so uh, I think that it's quite depressing in, and I'm not expecting a lot, but, um, you know, we have got individuals to hurt them. Uh, we've just got to hope that some of them, all of them, turn up and, and, and put in a decent shift. But... Uh, Moyes v Gerrard in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of cerebral uh, approach to the game. I think that uh, Moyes will probably fancy uh, that he can turn Gerrard over. What, what, Sam, what would you do then if you were Gerrard? Obviously, you might not want to be Gerard. But... Resign. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, what would you do if you were Gerrard in terms of looking at the Crystal Palace game? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah. for the Bolton game in between, but... The last mm. Premier League game is that, you know, how, how do you change it? How do you adapt? Gerard um, obviously doesn't still yeah. know his best 11, it seems, but yeah. also... No, it's tough, isn't tactics. it? It's really tough because you've got a situation where the stats suggest that we're a much better attacking uh, threat when Ings and Watkins play. But if you play Ings and Watkins, then that has ramifications further down the field that aren't positive ones. I think you've got to play a double... If it was me, I'd play a double pivot. I'd play... Um, I'd play Buendia uh, in the 10 ahead of the double pivot. I'd play possibly Bailey down the right and maybe Coutinho down the left with Watkins up front. I'd, I'd leave I'd leave Ings out. Um, I, I, I think that's probably a bit too open, but with the double pivot, perhaps you'll get away with playing Be- uh, Buendia and Coutinho. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been clamouring for the inclusion of the pair of them for a long time. I, I, I think that I'm not sure whether it was Priest who wrote this week in the in the paper that you know he has to find a system to get get them both playing, and I agree with that. And I think that if he doesn't, uh, there's going to be a problem. So, although I don't think West Ham's possibly the ideal uh, side to to start trying to play that, I think the double pivot's essential. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and then it's just a question of who you play in front of that. And I don't know who else could play down the left if not Coutinho. 
Um, well, that, 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 well ba- Bailey could. I, I think there's an issue. I don't think you can play. I, I think there's less of an issue in terms of playing Buendia and Coutinho in the same side. It worries me having Coutinho and Bailey in the same side because neither of them have got any real defensive discipline. Um, you know, if you've got Buen, Buendia as even if you had Coutinho as a ten and Buendia on the right, maybe which is where he played mainly for uh, Norwich. And maybe you, you try Ramsey as the, the left of those. I don't know. Um, I just think you need... You, if you're going to play that 4-2-3-1, you've got to be able to effectively make it a sort of 4-4-1-1 out of possession some of the time. Uh, and I think if you're wide players of Coutinho and Bailey, I don't see that I don't see that happening. Uh, and that's a bit of a... That's a bit of a concern. Um uh, against against weaker opposition than mm. the West Ham, I'd be all for. I'd be all for exactly the the formation that you and, and personnel that you've described there, Sam. But I just think in in a game against against a side as, as reasonably as poor as they've been so far in the season, in general, I think we'd be expecting them to not be that poor against us. And obviously, they've had a good morale boosting three win this evening. Um, I don't know. I just don't think there's enough defensive. Um, uh, quality in the in that in that three. If you've got Coutinho and and Bailey in it, that would be that would be my. Yeah, I think we'll play. Um, I think what Gerard will do. This is not necessarily why I would do, but I think what he'll do is he'll play a midfield three of McGinn, Louise, and uh, Kamara, and yeah. he'll play Buendia, and he'll play Watkins and Ings, and he'll play a Diamond. Yeah. I think that's what he'll do. Um, and I'm not totally against that. And I think that's probably the best we can do at the moment. But your point earlier there about, you know, wingers who can play on the left, you know, that's obviously one thing we didn't mention was obviously the Ismail SR uh, deal that collapsed, which um, if you believe the stories was more down to players' terms changing at the last minute or Gerald having a change of heart one too. But again, quite obvious to see that we've only got one winger, <laughs> really. I mean, now Garzi's frozen out. Troy's gone on loan. Trezeguet's gone. Yeah. Um, Coutinho and Bundia not really wingers no, although they've played from the right and they've played from the left Coutinho we've seen Coutinho play on the left this season and it doesn't work Bundia, if he plays on the right or left will always come central anyway so mm-hmm. if Bailey does get injured or is out of form which is a real possibility or well both are real possibilities because we've seen it then you know we, we again we're struggling to change formations or do something different to affect games and so it's a big mm. problem. We can't keep playing Watkins and Ings out wide. It, again, it doesn't necessarily always work. So it's a, it's a bit of a concern. And I think some of these issues we're talking about are related as well because it's really hard to get the right structure for the team if you don't know what the first eleven is. Mm. And a great manager will have a structure and any player will then have to move in and out of that, of that structure. And again, if you look at City... That's why players like Grealish or like Mars when he first joined in their first season are often not quite at the level that they've been before before they've signed there because they've got to adjust and fit into that structure. I think when you're first trying to craft that structure, if you're going from playing Buendia on the right one minute to playing Bailey on the right another minute, they're just totally different types of types of players. I, I don't see how... You, you can't ask Leon Bailey to do the same job that Buendia has, uh, is asked to do. Um, and, it, and it looks like, again, if you look at the data, and again, maybe partly this is just who we've played against, but at the moment, we're we're pressing quite a lot 
but not at all in the attacking in the attacking third. So we're we're third. Um, sorry, we're we're third for pressures, I think, but thirteenth for uh, pressures in the uh, in the attacking in the attacking third. So we're tending to let teams come onto us a little bit and then pressing them in the middle and the in the defensive uh, the defensive the defensive third. Whether that is by design or whether that's simply because if you've got Coutinho and Ings and Bailey in mm. your team, you just can't press in the attacking yeah. third. You know, and I think that is an issue where sometimes you see Buendia or Watkins or even Ings for that matter try and press, but there's no press behind them. So again, it's very easy to play out. And in in the Bournemouth game, some of the commentators were almost sort of saying aghast like early in this in the game oh well but Bournemouth are trying to play out from the back that's going to get them in trouble in the Premier League didn't get them in trouble once against us because we didn't we didn't try and exploit that now whether that 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 could be a perfectly reasonable tactical decision to say we're not going to press uh uh, high up we're going to sit a bit deeper and we're going to press in the middle in the defensive that's that's fine teams do that that's a tactical decision um, you know, you don't see Mourinho teams pressing in the in in the attacking third. That's fine. Conte doesn't do it. Fine, if that's the if that's the decision. But if it's because we don't have the personnel to do it and we'd like to do it, then that's a that's a different problem. And of course, if you're not going to press in the attacking third, then you've got to get everyone else tucked in and and uh, uh, and blocking off the passing lanes uh, deeper. And I, I'm not sure we're doing that either. So it feels like we're sort of yeah I mean you just have to watch caught between two have, stalls you just have to moment, watch like them it. you just have to watch the matches I mean I, like I said last time I watched the Brighton game from last year again and we definitely did sit off there with the narrow three where they didn't press yeah. they just sort of blocked passing, passing lanes and let McGinn and Ramsey cover the fullbacks which was a tactic and it worked um, whereas this season I've not seen anything similar to that I've seen a narrow three but I've seen them all press at different times almost like one goes and the other two don't go and it's 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 not even a half a press; it's more like a quarter of a press. And it's not like it doesn't look to the naked eye like there's an actual plan there. It's more like <laughs> like Watkins just goes because he's like annoyed we haven't got the ball back in five minutes. Or, uh, or, and know, that's whatever. the big frustration, isn't it? Like if you could see what he was trying to do, and you're like, oh well, it hasn't quite worked out, but you can see what he's trying to do. Then, then that would be a very different situation, even if the results were the same. From where we are now, which is I, I still don't know. Ten months in, how he wants to play. That includes personnel. It includes formation. It includes structure. It could include, are we a direct team or a possession-based team? It includes, how are we trying to win the ball back? Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. I, I couldn't answer any of those questions about what Gerard is trying to achieve. And, you know, as someone who watches pretty much every game, you'd, you'd think you'd have a perspective on it by now. But I, I just don't. I don't know what he's trying to do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, let's, get your, uh, let's get your predictions then. We'll move on to Villa Vault. And just before we say that, I'll just, so I forgot to say that West Ham must be the only team I know that have two goalkeepers on the bench every game. Well, they have had this season. To have both Randolph and Ariola on the bench. That obviously points to them being weak, a weak squad, maybe, or not having enough youth players. Why would you do it? Yeah, it doesn't Why make would any you sense. Do it? Why would you just not name one fewer substitute? Are you allowed? You must be allowed to do that. Mustn't I don't know. Yeah, must be. Anyway, random, random Weird. fact. So let's get your predictions, and we'll move on. Sam, you first. Um, one nil to West Ham. One nil to West Ham. AJ. I think we'll lose two uh, one. Even though we've lost a load of games in a row, we've scored in every single one of them. So I think we will get. I think it'll be 1-1. I, 
and uh, yeah, yeah, I think it could be it could be a key game really because you got Man City and Arsenal next, I think. Um, yeah. So uh, could get ugly. <laughs> I say that I'm, you were yeah. you were you were the more positive last time as well, weren't you, mate? Yeah, you I thought we were going to win. I thought we were going to win. Yeah, I thought we'd. I, I thought, and, and the way we started against Palace, I thought, you know, here we go. But <laughs> obviously yeah. not. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm taking the kids on Sunday as well, so. Um, yeah, if it gets ugly, then <laughs> that's not going to be yeah. a good experience for him. <laughs> oh, I, I can't make it on Sunday, so I'll be watching on the TV. But mate, you do enough. I'm, you do I'm enough travelling for weather, mate. Let's be honest. I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Right, it's time for the Villa Vault. <laughs> Sam, what you got for us? Okay, we got right, so three, got, three, let's do three minutes again. There's only two of I've us, got, so it should be, it should be I've great. got a Graham Taylor uh, in his second Ooh. spell. Oh, God, this oh, is our second spell. Oh, right. oh, 23rd of November, 2002. I'm excited then for a minute. Oh, God, I'm going to get any of these. Go on. Uh, yeah, you will. And then 33,279 people turned up to watch us uh, beat West Ham. Um, and I'll tell you the score, because I'm sure you won't remember. Uh, 4-1. Oh God! Which is remember this. under Graham Taylor in his in his second stint, that must have been a bit of a standout result, actually. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's see. Who do you think were the goal scorers for Villa? Oh God, um, Allback. No, Dublin. Dublin notched. Yeah, just one. Um, who else would have scored? Can't even remember who who played. Oh, actually, uh, did I watch Taylor? Did Lean, Lean, Lean Hudson score? He did. What a shout oh. that is, Omar. Whoa, I'm so impressed. Mate. I think I just remember this game. Just uh, what who a else shout. Did we, who else did we have around then? <laughs> Vassell? Yeah, that is that's three. There are four goal scorers. Who was the other one? Is it pre is it pre no it must be was Barry? Yeah, Barry, Barry was there. Barry was he was around, around but he didn't score. Uh Solana, no, Solana wouldn't have played. Uh, Dela Cruz. No, they were this was before their time. No, he was playing under Graham Taylor de la Cruz, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. I mean, a bit of a Villa legend. Like, we all love this bloke. Are you in Taylor? Do we? No. Oh. Uh, oh, uh, Malberg? <clears throat> no. Midfielder? Hendry? Yeah. Oh. And uh, who scored for West Ham? Club legend? Uh, Dicanio. Dicanio. Yeah. What a player. Um, yeah, we did well to beat them 4-1. Um, and uh, just go through the lineup. then. You have mentioned a lot of people who are in the team, but not all well, of them. Well, so. we've had four different goal scorers, so that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's that a few of them off. And Barry, that, we've tipped Barry off yeah, as well. Yeah, all right. So we've got five. Enkelman in goal. Enkelman in goal, yeah. Who was, De- we had a back three according to this, but I'm not uh, Delaney, Delaney, did he play? No. De La Cruz, did he play? Uh, no, no. Oh, let's play right. I'm trying to think who would have played right back then. Uh, did J. Lloyd Samuel play? Samuel played, yeah. Yeah. Samuel Melberg. Melberg. Uh, Alpi, would he have played? No, not yet. Ronnie Johnson? No. A, this is a player who, again, like Taylor, second spell at the club. Oh, Staunton, Steve Staunton. Staunton, yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve Staunton. So midfielders, we've mentioned Leon Yeah. Mentioned Henry. Barry. Who else? Kinsella? Barry, no. Mentioned Taylor, so I'll give you that. But there's one other one that we've not mentioned. Midfielder. Uh, yeah. Hitzelsberger. Yeah. Well done. And then uh, we've mentioned the two forwards. Um, Kinsella, who you mentioned, was on the bench. He did actually. Oh, come nice. 
Marcus Allback came on. He came on. You and, had Allback. No, yeah, I said Allback. Yeah. And uh, and Juan Pablo Angel came on. Yeah. Nice. Um, Juan Pablo only... Angel was on the bench. Yeah, he was. That, yeah, was, a, that was a bad season for him. I don't. I think that season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was um, actually quite rubbish, wasn't he, when you look at his stats? He had that one I, amazing you know, season, yeah, but apart from that, you know, it wasn't... You know what, though? <laughs> I, think, I think with Engel as well, I think he had good He had good seasons when he had good players around him and he had good service. Yeah. He, had, he had two good seasons. Yeah. I say he had two good seasons, I would say. One one standout yeah. season, one pretty good season in in, in in sort of even compared to modern modern times. But um, I think, you know, he played in some really shit teams, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he had such quality on the ball, and you know he really he knew how to he knew how to lead the line. He was a great player, but yeah, he probably should have his output probably should have been a bit better. Um, just hit the bar. Two West Ham, <laughs> yeah, two West Ham players um, have turned out for Villa. Who are they? Carlton Cole. No, oh, I'm trying to think now. Who would have played for West Ham back then? Was James Collins there? Uh, no. James Collins. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, uh, who else too early. David James, was he there? Yeah, correct. Uh, oh, good shout. Good shout. Uh, I would never have remembered he played for West Ham. else would have been there for West Ham at that time? Not did exactly play, a Villa legend. Did they play for West Ham was before he... or after? Before. Oh, sorry, did you say it's a Villa legend, did you say? No, it's definitely not a Villa legend. Oh, um, right. okay. A glittering career, played for England, but... Uh... Oh, Joe, Joe Cole, Cole, yeah. Correct, yeah. yeah. Joe Cole played. He speaks, so he speaks a, very yeah, fondly of Villa, by the way, Joe Cole. Still, he does, yeah. yeah he's, I'm not he's surprised not he gave him a fucking massive retirement package, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, true. If I, true. If I get to go to where I'm 50, where I get paid a shitload of money for not doing anything, then I'll, I'll feel, feel quite fondly of that as well. <laughs> true. Yeah, but that obviously, if we can replicate that on Sunday, we'll all be happy. Nice 4-1 win. Yeah, and that, that was a way worse team as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Than it is now. Um, that was a terrible season, wasn't it? Mickey Bolding on the bench, uh, no? Uh, no, but their team, I mean, their team was, their defence was pretty shit, but their midfield of Carrick, Edward Cisse, Trevor Sinclair, and Joe Cole with Decanio and Defoe up front. I mean, that is a decent yeah. forward line and midfield. Yeah, not bad, is it? Um, and we've Who did they have in the back, though, mate? Who did they have in yeah. the back? Oh, Schemmel, can't remember yeah, him. Yeah, red card, no. red card. All oh, your red card. Ian Pierce, Nigel Winterburn, and Christian Daly. There you go. There's your problem there, isn't it? Christian Daly. Yeah. Did he wear yeah. number seven? Christian Daly. I remember him wearing number seven. He did. God, this is ridiculous. This is a whole new level. What number were they wearing? <laughs> Omar's going to bang in with it. I just remember them wearing <laughs> number seven. Really. Bonus points. Bonus points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. Oh, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Thanks, Sam. Nice That's one, a really good, good choice. Just mainly because I remember so much of it. And AJ did as well. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't do as well as you, mate, yeah. but. I really do. Cool. Well done, boys. Thank you for that. I really enjoyed that pod. It was uh, cathartic, I think. How's your yeah. finger now, mate? How's it's actually better. Feeling better. Um, Good. The magic ice lolly's done the yeah, trick. Yeah, yeah. What sort of ice lolly was it? Uh, it was like a rocket lolly, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. So has that completely gone to waste now? Yeah, oh, yeah. Look, it's... Uh... Oh, Look oh, it's juice. <laughs> it looks like... Uh, Lolly juice. Looks like something you see in hospitals. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not look good. Like a, a bloody colostomy bag. Yeah, it does. It, <laughs> it, does. it really does. Um, oh dear. Just be glad this is an audio-only podcast. Um, <laughs> thanks, boys. I don't know, sometimes the description makes it worse. Yeah, yeah, true. I would like to do a well, YouTube one, but it's just too much. Fun. I thought you were going to say you'd like a bloody colostomy bag. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't. Right. No one wants that. Well, I hope Kate Middleton's listening. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. sp- sp- maybe she can sponsor the pod. 
Where where else do you get Kate Middleton salads to start and bloody cloths to be bags to finish? Yeah, that's what it. other Villa pod will deliver that no, for you? No, eclectic. So. Your 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 move, Villa View. <laughs> Good way to finish. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks to the guys as always. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, I'm not even going to pretend to promise that we're going to do a spaces or anything like that because it just won't happen. Nah, if it happens, it's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we'll be back next week. Three in a week, three in a row. That's good enough, I think. Yeah, um, yeah we'll be back next week, uh, post post West Ham game. And uh, as always, this pod is sponsored by MeBay Digital, local digital marketing agency. I remembered it this time. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and uh, please just subscribe whatever podcast platform you're on if you haven't already and follow us on twitter at villa podcast or one word and thank you again thank you to the guys up the villa up the villa i love it manu bahut changa lagda